Hey. Hey. Welcome to the show. I'm here. You're here. In this episode, we had a cool new guest. A cool new guest. Yeah. None of those other guests were cool. Or new. Not new. We knew all of them already, so they were pretty much just, you know, old guests. Well, that's why I mean new, yeah. Like, I knew them beforehand. But this guy walked in, and he was like, hi, Mr. Doctor, Mr. Man. And I was like, (laughs) okay, cool. Let's do this. (laughs) Can I help you? I don't know what. (laughs) What are you doing here? (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, we have... Our first guest that is somebody that we we don't know that well. He was recommended yeah. to be on the podcast. And so we reached out to him and he was great. Yeah, really good time. His name's Mr. Doctor. <laughs> uh, but he'll he'll explain that more in just a little bit. But today we're talking about Spielberg. We're talking specifically about the Fablemans. But it's so uh, but old. then mostly we Spielberg. We end up talking about Spielberg. It's so old. Oh yeah, the movie's so old. It's yes. so it came out old. so, so long, long ago. ago. Uh, it has taken us a little while to get this episode out. We've been we've been working we've on been it. We've been doing other stuff. This is a free podcast. What do you want? <laughs> Discord and uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, we got we got to plug likes, all the things uh, now. Get review that stuff. <laughs> I, I feel like I can't tell if you're like actually Listen promoting it episode. or if you're reminding me to like talk about this stuff. I mean, kind of reminding you is reminding. That's them, true. That's you know. true. You, uh, we've talked about this a couple times already, but the Discord. It's new. Woo. It's the best way to communicate with us if you feel inclined to do so. Uh, there's places to talk about all of our episodes on there. Each, there's also each places one to talk about them. other things that don't have anything to do with that. So we should uh, put out like in. a. We should put one little section. It's like just call out Jeremiah and or Randy. Like just, <laughs> just the criticism yeah, section yeah, where they yeah. just like yeah. <laughs> That's probably good if we can just Criticize. isolate all the criticism to that section. Or maybe then, that maybe that's just the general chat. That's, maybe gen- that's I mean that's is. general chat. That's probably what it is. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's we got that 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 is live as of the airing of this. And yeah, come on there. We're on there. We'll talk to you maybe if you're nice. <laughs> if you're <laughs> if you're lucky and you're nice and you give me uh, like a dollar. A do- I'll, See, I'll Jeremiah's been talking about money. He's going to talk about money more in this episode too. Oh, so I don't know. <laughs> He's starting to think that he needs to get paid for this, so no, who knows? I'm start no, I but I would like to. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, in like a perfect world. There you go. Where everyone's doing their dream job. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We'll have a channel on the Discord. I don't want to be Steven Spielberg. Dollar to emojis make, to make you, a so. to make a movie would be way too stressful. <laughs> to talk about movies, I could do that. I think I could do that. I've already been could. doing it a, a little bit. Yeah, it'd be great. Also, leave us a review. (laughs) (laughs) Say something nice or not nice, you know, but uh, preferably something nice on iTunes. If it's not nice, or one way to guarantee we talk back to you. It's true, yeah. Yeah, we'll be like, whatever. Well, bring your not nice comments to the Discord, (laughs) but leave your nice comments on iTunes or or wherever else you listen to podcasts and you're able to leave reviews or, you know, stars or numbers. The more stars, the better. More numbers, more stars. Yeah. Uh, that'd be great. That would help us out because then it helps us reach more people. And and then uh, maybe our dreams come true. What are our dreams? Uh, mine was getting paid for a podcast. Oh, God. Yep. Help Jeremiah's dream come true. <laughs> Anyways, we're talking about the Fablemans today <laughs> with Mr. Doctor. We hope you enjoy it.
how should we uh, how should we refer to you? How do you want to be referred to? You have many names. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you want to call me, uh, Barry is fine. Okay, or you know whatever. I don't, well, let's talk about like maybe tell us why people call you by your, I guess your nickname. Yeah, um, <laughs> where'd um, that come from? So I, I do have a, a nickname, Mister Doctor, and it's because uh, I I'm a professor. At, Students call me Dr. Smith, but my wife is also a professor, and so she's Dr. Smith. And so our students decided on their own to differentiate us. They would call us Mr. Doctor and Mrs. Doctor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they just dropped the Smith. And so uh, it just kind of stuck. And now students who didn't even come up with that still call us like Mr. Doctor and Mrs. Doctor. That's great. Um, And then our our son would come (laughs) visit, and they would call him like, Little doctor. And it's like, you know, he, <laughs> he hasn't been to grad school. Don't, don't call him that. <laughs> Little doctor. <laughs> Until he changes his last name to doctor. Okay. I imagine that one day when you pass away, the moment after you, you pass, someone's going to turn to your son and just be like, Mr. Doctor. And he's like, oh. <laughs> You're the doctor This now. mantle is now passed to you. <laughs> the mantle is passed. Yes. I'm not ready now. Not to get all morbid and talk about your death right at the beginning of the episode, but you know, it's part of life. It's part of life. So we've been, um, we're really excited to have you. You're one of the first guests that we've had that we don't know that well. Like we've talked a few times, you know, but really I know more about you from other people than I actually know you personally. And so for us, you know, most of the time our, our guests have yeah, been people that we like know well. We usually handpick people based on what we think, you know, they're going to want to discuss, if they're going to like this movie or if they're going to, like, have a lot to say about a particular film. Mm-hmm. And so for this one, we've been talking about having you on for months now, and it just <laughs> has the, not worked out. Also for this movie. Uh, for for this specific <laughs> movie. Uh and so, I mean, that movie being The Fablemans, mm-hmm. but Jeremiah and I have not, we just missed every opportunity <laughs> that has come our way to see it. Yeah. And like left here, we we're like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Like we were just like, hey, it's showing in our town. Let's go see it. And then like, yeah, let's go tomorrow. And then it was gone the, the next day. And yeah, it seemed like, it stuff, seemed like but. we were like this weekend we can. And then it was like, Mm-mm. nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so finally it came out on Blu-ray and uh, we watched it. Just a couple days ago. And now we're ready. So, <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Three so, months behind months our later. original schedule. After the Oscars, after Fablemans just went quietly under the radar. You were, we were talking a little bit about that before. You mentioned that you had a few awards that you wanted. You were hoping that it would win. What in particular did you? Well, I really, I, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I really hoped that Spielberg would win Best Director. Mm. because it's such a personal story for him. And I'm a huge Spielberg fan. Mm -hmm. I also really, just as a lifetime achievement sort of thing, really wanted John Williams to win for score, just because he's nearing the end. He's in his 90s. He's, you know, he said he's going to do Fablemans and uh, Indiana Jones, and then that might be it. Mm. So, um, and the score is lovely. It's it's, uh, not something that jumps out. It's not a typical... John Williams, you know, Star Wars, brassy kind of thing. But um, those were the two that I, I really hoped for. And I, I th- 
maybe uh maybe screenplay um but i i i i was sure that it was not going to win like best picture or anything like that mhm but you know foolish hopes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i mean i felt like i could be wrong so if i'm wrong i i feel like a lot of people felt like uh everything everywhere all at once was kind of a dead ringer but i don't think that was because there wasn't competition. I think there was a lot of good competition this year. I thought there was a lot of good films that, not all the nominees, but but several of them I think could have taken it, and we would have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I'm not mad. Um, I mean, I'm not mad. Everything Everywhere All at Once was a great movie. I loved it, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not mad at anything that it won at all. But it was a it was a strong, it was, it was a strong field this year. Yeah. So. You have a great love for Steven Spielberg. Has that been always, or is that something more recent? Is that when one of the earliest movie memories that I have is seeing E.T. in the theater mm. as a small child, and uh, that was it. I was set for life. I mean, that was uh, sci-fi, which is my favorite film genre, uh, also favorite literature genre, and Spielberg, and just the fact that Spielberg can take pretty much any genre that he works in and make it about the people and about the connection that they have with each other. It's always about the, you know, the people in the scenario. It's never about the aliens or the dinosaurs or in, even in Munich and Schindler's list. And, you know, these really hard movies, it's not about the the historical events. Mm -hmm. It's really about these, these people, these individuals and how it impacts them. Mm -hmm. I just, I I love that. That's just, you know, I, I teach a class on sci-fi film, and I have I require my students to watch Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T. because, you know, in in my opinion, those two movies bring the full range of human emotion into science fiction film. Mm. And yeah, you know, before that, you had I mean, you either had action or horror or just your kind of like swashbuckling space opera like you know, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But really, uh, you know, even Star Wars, you know, that's 77. That's the same year that Close Encounters came out, which is, I mean, how would you like to be, you know, Spielberg in that year? Yeah. You know, you're like, <laughs> oh, I've got a great movie here. And then it's like Star Wars. Um, nobody even remembers it. But uh, <laughs> Nobody remembers it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in that moment. But I just, I, I feel like, you know, Spielberg was just so ahead of the game. And in making science fiction human stories mm-hmm. about people that are in like these crazy scenarios, crazy situations, but it's still about the people. And I just, I really appreciate that about him. And also a real sense of wonder. Mm-hmm. It's like he, he, a lot of, in a lot of his films, there's a real sense of wonder. And I, I, I appreciate that also. Yeah. I, I'm that, what you're talking about there, the wonder element is something that I love about his movies. I feel like he, does a really good job at, at creating a, you know, while where other films may be going for more realism, he has like a world that every one of his films is sort of like based in, not necessarily because they're connected, but just when he presents the world, he adds like a shine to it that makes it just a little bit better than the one we're in. And it's always magical in that way. And so wonder is a very good word to, to describe that. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but also I don't know the, the same with Disney in that way. But I like I don't want to go to Disney World. It's not for me. You know what I mean? Uh, 
Yeah, and I only like Steven Spielberg started off really good. Closing Guys of the Third Kind, E.T., Jurassic Park, even. I just feel like I, the older he's gotten, the more comfortable he's got. I don't feel like there's ever any risk. The Fablemans and I really it really didn't it really didn't catch me. Like it never pulled any emotion out of me. The young, except the younger when it when I was doing the younger bit third, like the when he was a kid with the camera. Loved that. Kinda wish that was the whole movie. Hmm. To me it seemed like really three distinct parts. And, and even, like, we watched the Blu-ray, so it immediately went into talking about the movie afterwards. And we were both like, oh, weird, it's got stuff out here. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Even how they talked about it, it was like, really? Because he was saying stuff that happened in the movie. And then he's like, and that's what the movie's about. And, it, like, it's about bullying. I'm like, that happened, like, once. In It happened in the movie. Is that what the movie was about? I don't know. It rang kind of hollow to me. I'm all, I'm always speaking for myself. I know I know people liked it, <laughs> um, and I know people like Spielberg. I I have this like uh like gut level reaction when people are like, I like Spielberg. And my uh, film teacher in college was like Spielberg is the best, and my like I was like 19, and I was immediately like. Oh, I hate Spielberg. <laughs> and I remember he was driving and we were like on the way to Dallas and he was on the highway and he just like, but like in my memory, he's fully turned around and he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, my bad, man. <laughs> yeah, you can go back to driving. Uh, whatever, whatever. Uh, Stanley Kubrick swears that, up, by the way. Yeah, I think I think it's like a gut level thing. I don't really hate him that much, but I feel like he gets too much credit. Like it's like saying P Diddy's the greatest rapper of all time, and I feel like everyone else in the culture thinks that. I'm like, no, he's not. He's not even close. I mean, is it kind of like saying that? Um, of course, now I'm going to forget what it's called when I'm trying to to reference it. But. And Spiel, and like I said, Spielberg at first. You like early Spielberg? Yeah, was out of his park, and it felt like he was. I don't. Even, I don't know if he really was even taking risks, but he had new ideas, and like it felt like he had something to say. And then later on, it. I do get a lot of that like kid wonder stuff, mm-hmm. but as a as a teenager onward, I want something more. And like I said, that's just me. Some some people. There are some grown-ups that love, like, I work with people that love going to Disneyland, and they're in their 40s, and they're married, and, like, every trip is to Disneyland, and that's their favorite thing, and that's fine. Uh, I don't like going to Disneyland. <laughs> 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 it's not for me. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. That's okay. Uh, I, um, it's kind of, it sounds a little bit like you. I'm jaded. Well, no, that Got wasn't what I was going to say. Soul. It's sort of like the Citizen Kane effect. Like, yeah, I don't like Citizen Kane either. That's the the movie I was trying to remember the title of a second ago. But it's it's like everyone. It's sort of like the agreed upon best movie, best of movie time. ever made. And, I, and yeah, and I have that gut level thing to, to that too. Now, because everyone's like saying it's the best one, I'm like, oh, no, it's not. Yeah. Well, like it is. It is a very very good film, especially for when it, it came out. 
Well, even now when looking it, back, it's like pretty when good. It, but, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what, what I'm what I'm getting at is that it's like that idea that it's like no, Citizen Citizen Kane's the best, and if you say otherwise, yeah, I get your in like wanting to rebel against yeah. that, it's and like, that like it like feels I'm back, like, it feels no, like that with Spielberg, where you're, everyone's like, well, Spielberg's the best, and you're kind of like. Yeah, even Watch as me. even Watch as a kid, <laughs> even as a kid, it was like, "Who's the best?" Michael Jordan's the best. It's like, hold your tongue. <laughs> and and like growing up now, looking back, like, yeah, okay, he probably was the best. <laughs> but like, little Jeremiah was gonna fight you if you said that. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, that's good context. That's good context. <laughs> Well, uh, my favorite player was Penny Hardaway, uh, oh, which you don't I remember, don't know and person. you probably don't. <laughs> I know him. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I couldn't even tell you why he's my favorite. Maybe the nickname. He played with Shaquille O'Neal. You figure I'd like Shaquille more. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm just one of those people. Yeah. I apologize. Jump in <laughs> and interrupt us. This yeah, is, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I think Disney, though, is is saccharine sweet. Mm-hmm. And Spielberg is not always saccharine sweet. I mean, Munich is that's a tough movie. To, if mm-hmm. you if you guys have yeah, seen and that, Chandler's list and like and Chandler's Saving Private list. Ryan, um, and he has a he has a dark side that he doesn't let out very often, but it's it's there and it's mm-hmm. you know I don't know maybe 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 I I imagine I have my own dark side. It's, <laughs> it's right there, but uh, but it's it's you know I feel like he. He gets human emotion, and he chooses usually to show the positive aspects of it. But you know, I always—it's a horrible movie that I absolutely despise. But AI, artificial intelligence, mm. Kubrick started and, and Spielberg finished. I hate it, but it's—it's. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's. I love that you hate it. <laughs> it's dark. I it mean, is. it's it, it's it's really dark and. When I first saw the film, I thought, oh, well, look, you can see the clear break here. This is Kubrick did this much mm-hmm. and, and sketched Bro. it all. And then Spielberg finished it out. <laughs> I said this last week. And you're and, like, no way. What? And then I found out, actually, that's not the case. The, the darker elements, uh, a lot of that is actually Spielberg. <laughs> it wasn't all Kubrick, which is, but still, I hate the movie. But uh, it's the only. <laughs> The only Spielberg movie that uh, that I feel that way about, and it's uh, just in contrast to everything else. So I'm curious though about that because I my thought was that all of the the darker elements were probably Kubrick, and the more whimsical and kind of wondrous elements were probably Spielberg, who just couldn't help himself. That, that's what I thought too. And when I in studying the film for a, a class I was teaching, I found out. You know, Spielberg actually claims a lot of those darker elements. Really? That, that was him. Huh. And I think the fact that Kubrick was working on it, there's, there is a Kubrick stamp there sure. you know, that you can't get away from. But the fact that, that somebody even thought, well, you know, Kubrick started this. Who could finish it? Spielberg. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's not what I would have thought. <laughs> <No. about. laughs> yeah, me too. Like, but, what? <laughs> but it's – and my, Mrs. Doctor, she actually walked out of that movie in the mm. theater. I mean, she was one particular scene that's kind of gruesome where they're, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's like some kind of torture going on mm-hmm. of these, uh, of these beings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she was like, nah, uh, nope. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time I've ever seen her walk out of a movie in, 
in my entire life. Hmm. And so, you know, that's, it's like, I was like, okay, it's not just me. It's, it's you. Okay. And all, I don't know, maybe it's just, uh, uh, what's his name? Haley Joe Osmond. Maybe it's just him. You know, maybe mm. I'm just like, mm, you want to uh, <laughs> protect him. He's precious. <laughs> or <laughs> maybe, maybe I want to get rid of him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she was wanting to protect him and you're like, mm, it'd be great if this kid wasn't in it. <laughs> So you mentioned, you know, he has that darker side. Obviously, there's, I think there's the obvious choices like Schindler's List. But to me, that's not necessarily dark. It's more just heavy subject matter. He chooses to kind of lean into it, definitely. And you're not, I don't see that movie in particular as being that, having that sense of wonder or stuff that we're familiar with. Especially even Saving Private Ryan is another one that we, that he sort of, isn't shelf it completely. He just sort of channels it into a different, emotion i think so that those worlds still feel feel different but not in the same way that you know something like et or even the fate especially the fablements um, the fablements sort of feels like that kind of golden age magic movie magic type of feel but what are some other movies you mentioned munich that he's made that you think he does lean into that maybe more serious side of course darker now, side of course now my mind goes completely blank <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, his first blockbuster was Jaws. Yeah. And, you know, for its time, that was, you know, that, that was, that was kind of, it was a scary movie, mm -hmm. you know, that people were like, oh my God. And, you know, to this day, people are like, I don't want to go to the beach because sharks, as if, you know, sharks were a problem that most people encounter. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, one of his early, uh, maybe his earliest feature was Duel. Which you know involves mm -hmm. this you know, kind of standoff type situation where you're like uh, this psychotic, you know, what's going on here? But he's he also you know he has like amazing stories and, and things like that. It's like it's I think he's like the movie equivalent to me uh, of Ray Bradbury in literature, where there's a lot of Ray Bradbury that's like life affirming and good and funny, but then there's like but then there's also that really dark underbelly you know mm -hmm. something wicked this way comes and that sort of thing where it's like yeah the, the macabre is like just right there underneath and uh i mean i think in in munich how they he really focused on the impact uh what the Mossad agents or the, the israeli agents were doing how that impacted them mm -hmm. not just like here's this horrible thing that happened and they're you know out for justice but yeah, there's a lot there that really focuses on how uh, Eric Bana's character, you know, is really just like wrestling with this, and it's mm -hmm. like turning him, and he's just like, you know, uh, feeling awful about it. And I, I try to imagine myself in that situation. I was like, well, you know, these these guys just like you know murdered these Olympians just because they're anti-Semitic, and you know, I mean, this is like this is righteous, you know, go get these guys. They're awful. But this guy's, I mean, it's real. I mean, this mm -hmm. guy's like, you know, he, he is, he's not just, you know, he's not a one-dimensional character that's just like, you know, I'm, I'm out for justice, but it's, it's it really weighs on him. Mm -hmm. And I, I I think it's it's there, and I think you see that a little bit in the Fablemans, too, because it is, it does kind of have that little golden sheen, that glow over it, but, you know, can I... I mean, yeah. a spoil. Oh, spoil. Oh, yeah. spoil. We spoil. We spoil. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he, 
Spielberg made a movie where one of the central plot points is that his mom is leaving his dad for his dad's best friend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm trying to imagine, you know, if such a thing happened in my life, would I be able to make a movie about that, Mm. you know, and, and put that out there for everyone and not only put it out there for everyone, but also do it in such a way that is not like, Oh, she's awful or she's bad, but it's like, she's making these decisions and I still love her and I have a reverence for her, the things that I can see in myself that I inherited from her and also from my dad. And that, that is very multifaceted. That Mm -hmm. is, there's a lot, there's many layers there. It's not, um, it's not a, like a Disney one note, you know, it's like, there's, there's a lot going on there. And I just, I don't, you know, I mean, obviously he waited till he was in his Mm seventies to make this movie. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would ever be ready to make yeah. you know, that kind of movie and just to put your soul out there. And it's like, yeah, this is, this is where I came from. This is, this is what, what shaped me. Mm-hmm. That's, they, that's vulnerable. They he, talked when we watched. He did wait till the, they uh, both died. He did wait till they passed <laughs> he did. away. He did. But he also, I don't know if you've seen any of the special features and stuff from the Blu-ray, but he talks a little bit. Of, well, the whole group of people that are, that worked on the film talk about how the re- part of the reason why this movie exists is because of COVID just the extra time to kind of spend in thought and not being busy and stuff sort of left him to kind of dwell on the legacy that his parents left uh, after passing away. And so it was sort of a grieving process also, I think, maybe. I mean, I'm not going to stay here and say, yes, that's exactly what it was, but it sort of feels like naturally that would be what he wanted to explore it again from mm-hmm. a distance because everything, not everything is is exactly how it was, but... Yeah, and to me, even just watching, even before hearing him say that, it felt a little like he just needed some sort of some catharsis uh, after experiencing a lot of that. He he said something specific that I thought was really interesting. He said that there's there comes a point in every person's life where they they stop seeing their parent as somebody who is like better than them. Uh, but as someone who has then like they see them as an equal for the first time as a human being being. and he said that most of that like that can happen when you're in your 40s he's like but for me it happened when i was 16 and it's like oh dang like that's (laughs) you know that scene where he has to where he shows her and i loved the setup for all that you know the first time they watch one of his movies it's in the closet it's this like magical place and then it's tainted by this well, the next time we see them watching the movie together that he's made, it's when he's revealing, he's outing her for, you know, her sin essentially. And it's, it's not a happy scene. And yeah, you're right. It's some heavy stuff. Yeah. It seemed like uh, he would, like while his parents were alive on sets, he would tell stories and he had these really crazy stories and then like they passed and then COVID nothing to do. And then that one guy was like, Hey, write a story about it. He was like, okay i got nothing else to do. <laughs> so yeah it seemed like it came out of him always having some weird story about his of his parents or one of his parents that he'd always be telling especially on set they specifically said one movie 2012 2013 mm-hmm. i don't remember the movie but that was what that one guy was saying and he, and he, he heard stories for the next 10 years and then encouraged him to Right, yeah, he's uh, Kushner, his uh, co-writer. Yeah, yeah, Tony Kushner. Yeah, 
who I, I said, I, ha- I don't think I've ever seen him before. I said, it looks like an, he looks like an older Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Love it, yeah. Like if you, uh, <laughs> you're like, um, how do I recognize this guy? Uh, older Adam Sandler. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've never seen anybody that looks like Adam Sandler to me. And so when I saw him, I was like, whoa, it looks like Adam Sandler in like 20 years. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> we're going to probably end up talking less about Fablemans and more about Spielberg today. Jack, just because there's so much to talk about. But are you are you a fan of Minority Report? I am. And yeah, th- this is not an advertisement, but um, but I'm actually teaching a class on Spielberg in the fall. Okay, cool. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about Spielberg lately. You know, Minority Report is based on a, a Philip Dick story. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Philip Dick fan also. Great ideas, tortured soul, but wow, great ideas. You know, you never get a, a, a one-to-one adaptation from from book to movie, but, but I, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. And it's you know, one of those movies where I felt like we got a little bit past Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. You don't get that in very many movies where, you know, he kind of <laughs> steps out of being Tom Cruise, but I felt like, you know, in throughout that, there are moments where, you know, he steps out of that. And also, you know, it's, it is one of those movies. It's, it's, it's a little on the darker side, mm-hmm. you know, but it, everything you know involving Philip Dick is is going to be a little bit on the dark side yeah and you know just the idea of future crime you know in the i and the in the the CD political machinations to make sure that the system stays in place and that nothing gets uncovered and you know there's there's a lot there and, and even you know the bigger questions about is it possible to be guilty of something before you do it you know is is it something that must happen is it something that could be prevented from happening? If you prevent it, then why is somebody punished for it? You know, mm-hmm. if they didn't, they didn't do it. You know, I mean, that's you can peel back a lot in that in that movie, and yeah. and and actually, I think it holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, we still haven't gotten to those uh, holograms floating that you. No, you we're, to, so, we're so close. <laughs> <laughs> but but also, I, I think you know, still, why why would I want to do that? You know, why, uh-huh. why that would be such a regression to to have to stand up and <laughs> wave my arms around like I'm a conductor or something. Um, but uh, I, I think the effects hold up pretty well, yeah. actually, as well. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, there's so many films. I mean, just the Marvel movies alone have taken that idea of moving holograms around with your hands. God, I love when he's like on his phone and he goes, that TV over there? Put it. <laughs> yeah, that's how technology works. You just flink it over there. <laughs> I mean, and Microsoft, you know, Microsoft Surface, they yeah. had that system that where you could actually do stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. it, and, and it was like super cool and it never caught on. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, like the big table. I think they used it in um, the reboot of Hawaii Five O, where they would have like the big table, and somebody would come in with their "I've got my Microsoft phone," and oh, you know, yeah. and they would lay it on the table, and then like, boom, now it's on the table, and then they would swipe it, and now it's on the wall, and all that, and it's like, yeah, that's cool, but uh, it's Microsoft, so people have that effect. Yeah, yeah I was like, yeah. oh, Microsoft. Oh, There's oh. they've quit making that. Google just stopped making its lenses too. Yeah. But I still feel like Apple's going to do it. There's a House of Cards. There's a, I don't remember if it's season three or four. There's a point in there where, you know, the show was kind of 
like it had a very strong start. The show was the show. The show the first but two seasons was unbelievable. The middle, good. the middle seasons, it, it kind of wasn't sure where it was going. Once he was, yeah, once he so, was president, it was like no, exactly. show's over. <laughs> exactly. So it was kind of like, well, what do we do now? Well, during He's that, like, what do we do now? President. Phase. They tried to hide some product placement stuff in in the show, and one of them was for I think it was a Samsung thing, and mm-hmm. it was the same idea that they could just take the oh from my phone. And I remember watching it and then the guy being like, oh, yeah, let me, and you know, very clearly explaining what he's going to do. And, and he goes, let me just throw that up on the screen here. Like using my, my Samsung, Samsung phone. Decks, and he yeah. goes, and I, and I remember out loud just going, no. what's happening? <laughs> I was like, what is this? Oh, they got, they got a pre- future president tech. Okay. All right. Not like what's happening because it was made by the technology. I'm like. Why are they doing product placement all of a sudden? Like, it was just so shocking. I was like, what the heck? But yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but anyways, all the t- all that to say, you know, Spielberg, Tom Cruise, the OG uh, hand-flicking graphics technology. It's still fun because it's like he's, you know, he's orchestrating. So it's great. Now, I'm yeah. a big fan of that movie. It's, I, it's specifically made for an audience to watch what you're doing on a computer, yeah. not not I, for you to work on a computer. I think, <laughs> yeah, right. I think maybe the first Spielberg film that I saw was probably The Land Before Time. But I, we also weren't really allowed to watch a lot of stuff when I was younger. So we did. I didn't see Jaws till I was in college, and I didn't see E.T. until I was in high school, and didn't see Jurassic Park until I was in high school as well. So I, I want to say that like, I probably saw Jurassic Park first, but Minority Report may have been the next one that I saw. So I was, I loved it at the time. It was like the craziest thing I'd ever seen, (laughs) you know? And so, cause I was just starting to actually get to watch more movies and, um, that's not to diminish it in any way, but it, it, uh, it does definitely hold up. I've watched it many times since then and really enjoyed it. So yeah, they try to. A TV spinoff. That Did they really? Yeah, yeah. It didn't it? Didn't go. Uh. <laughs> it didn't go. It didn't have the magic. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, kind of figured things out mostly <laughs> in the movie. So and, I feel like, and they they did, they did a TV spinoff <laughs> of a uh, Limitless too. So Jeremiah, you've been talking about like how much I hate how much you hate Spielberg. Spielberg uh, but well, no, that you think that maybe in this latter half of his career that he's he's making safer choices. He's not. Yeah, like M. He's M. not being as bold, <laughs> like M. Night. Yeah, I don't know if M. Night's making safe choices as I'm much me- as he's just I'm messing. We were just at. making choices. Who knows? He's doing something. He's doing something. Do you, Barry? Do you feel the same way? Do you think that he's made, he's being safer than he was when he was younger? Or? I don't know if I don't know if that's a result of like deciding something so much as it is just a result of growing into being an older person who's been around longer you know like i'm more calm of a person now than i was 20 years ago or when i was 19 or 20 yelling about how much i hate spielberg (laughs) but uh uh, i haven't yelled that in at least 10 or 11 years at this point um yeah i don't know it's just like why try hard when you don't have to try hard that makes it sound like he's not trying to do anything. Like if you can go to work and you're like, I've got this and you know, you've got it. You're probably not going to try really hard to push it to the limit and like go for gold every time and like work so hard that you're mentally unstable. You know, you're not going to do that. 
anymore or like less and less as you get older. Like Kubrick would drive people crazy trying to get a shot with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. He lived with them for like six months, a year or something crazy. And he would like, do that scene again, do that scene again. And they're like, oh my God. Like even Jack Nicholson uh, in The Shining, he's like, do it again, do it again, do it again. And until he like went crazy and he's like, that's, we're using that one. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> like Kubrick, I like Kubrick's stuff, what it ends up being, but I couldn't have worked. Like I would have walked out. I'd have been like, no, no, you crazy old man. <laughs> like, So I don't think a lot of people are pushing stuff every time, all the time like that. But that makes it sound like they're not working hard or something like that. I'm not meaning to say that, mm-hmm. but it's just like when I go to work, I know I've got this. I'm not like. I'm not like running around like crazy trying to get everything 100% perfect. Not everyone works to the point of mentally stressing themselves out all the time. And especially in a creative field, when you're starting out, you have something to prove and you're probably more likely to do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas 40 years in, he's got this, like he knows what his movies are. He knows how to put, how to talk to the actor, how to get what he wants, how to tell the camera guy to set it, what the whole feel of the movie is beforehand. He's already planned it out all beforehand, unless he's one of the directors who specifically doesn't. But I don't think that about Spielberg. Um, I don't actually know. But I would think he's got it pretty much locked down in pre-production. I think to a point, but uh, I think he leaves room for change yeah. I, mean, I think even the final shot but even no, even like knowing how much that was a on the day choice, yeah that so. yeah that so. but even knowing like how much to pre-plan because he's got this yeah how many directors get to that point i mean i feel like a lot of them do but i think that's a sign of how good he is though like i think good planning in that situation lets him leave room for yeah spontaneous magic to happen while they're actually making the movie because most of the time the most stressful times that i've had when i've been on set is is when when a director doesn't know anything that's going on and they're like we're just gonna wing it and it's like okay you don't know what you're doing so coming in with a plan doesn't that to me is not a is not a negative thing and i know you're saying that that's not necessarily what you're getting at but for me i this is maybe going to sound a little bit like a disc because but it's not meant that way if, like, if, if like I were Spielberg, doing it, I would. No, 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 no. If Spielberg is going to make a movie, like, he may not make the most wild, like, he's not going to make a movie like Ari Aster is going to make a movie. Yeah. But if Spielberg is going to make something, he's going to make it the best version of that thing that he can. And in some ways that anyone can. Even in just in this, like, I in Fableman's, I was just, I don't think that this movie is a spectacular masterpiece for the ages i do think it's wonderful and i do think it's an excellent movie i think it's, the craftsmanship is fantastic uh but there's just things in it like even just blocking he's just a master of like he knows exactly when to move the camera he knows where to put people there's a scene i don't, I don't remember exactly what's going on contextually oh it's when uh the uncle shows up and the camera is like just as like trepidatious as they are and it moves backwards away from the door and the family like all crowds into the doorway to kind of look to the side as he they open the door for him and all that stuff but most of the time I don't notice that stuff because you're just so caught up in it but in that moment I saw it and I was like 
I would never have made that choice. I would never have had that happen. It's a simple thing that no one's even thinking about, but it makes me feel a certain way yeah, to me that I would like not a, have picked. And I think that's why he's so good is because he just to me it can felt like, see like that. a golden so, age musical kind of like. I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely some musicality to the even, mo- the movement. Even makes, but e- like not- every line that the lady <laughs> says was like okay. the lady. <laughs> yeah, his mom. Oh, his mom. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, she's a little. I mean, she's that's her character though. She's very much in. That I mean, world. yeah, but that too, like. Like he designed it to be that yeah. it's, it's like over the top golden age Hollywood, but you gotta let him see the movie. Jazz. You gotta. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's how his mom was. Maybe that's just, I don't know. Barry, what do you, what do you think? Actually with that scene, I was thinking more like it's a, it's a little bit of a horror movie beat Yeah. because we, we've just had the call from beyond. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Don't yes. let him in, don't let him in, don't let him in. And then, and then. Oh, that so, uncle. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that. And, yeah. And then somebody's there and it's like, oh my God, you know, and then, you know, the camera movement, it's like, yeah, that's a, that's a horror movie beat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of a classic, you know, sort of thing. Sure. Uh, I was just like looking to see what, you know, on IMDb. He has like five upcoming directorial projects and thirty eight upcoming producing projects. Jeez. Jeez. So, <laughs> so I mean, he's he's still you know he's he's getting after it. Yeah, you know? thirty eight. That's an entire career. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, I got that many. I'm working on right now. That's crazy. <laughs> but I th- I think also though that's a sign of somebody that that is as good as what he does and understands the rhythm and the beat and how something connects is like he's a he's a good producer and mm-hmm. yeah i think that's it's not i mean he's a great director but he also he's a really good producer you know and he's he's he can see these projects and work with other people to make them come to pass mm-hmm. and i think that like a you know in music there's some producers where you're like oh wow they 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 worked with them okay well this is going to be the beats are going to be tight. Every, you know, the track's going to be, everything's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And they may have a career of, of their own as a musician or not, but you know, it's just like, you know, producing is, is a whole nother, whole nother thing. I, and actually I was, as I was looking through the list, I was like, Oh yeah, ready player one was in there. And I, you know, ready player one, that's, it's like a brand new property. You know, it's, it was new book and new idea and it's, it's really retro, mm-hmm. you know, it's, or futuristic retro for, you know, people, you know, Loving that eighties, you know, mm-hmm. pop culture, <laughs> which I I thought it was fun. I really enjoyed it, and yeah. and it's funny to me that a lot of my students also really liked it. And mm-hmm. it's like you know, eighties is way before that they were even born, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like nostalgia for something you know that they've never seen, mm-hmm. you know. And that's oh yeah, you know, it's all CG, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So we probably won't be coming back to it in like, you know, 40 years and going, look how great this looks versus like Jurassic Park where you're like, oh my God. It's, I mean, it looks yeah. great because it's all practical effects. Yeah. But he's, he's, he has a lot of different kinds of projects also, mm-hmm. you know, and I, th- I think that's, you know, maybe someone at this point in his career, he's looking for things that interest him to do. You know, if you're, you're young, you're starting out, somebody comes in they're like, hey, we want you to do this you're probably going to be like, yeah, I, you know, let me, let me do that. And mm-hmm. I'm going to do whatever I can do with it. But, um, he's kind of at that point where it's like, I find this personally interesting and it would be fulfilling to do this. I will choose this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the rest of the stack goes in the floor. I'm doing this one right here. And if it's 
a mini series about Napoleon or you know whatever it is. He's like, yeah, this is the one. This is mm-hmm. what I want to do. And you know, it's good to be king. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where you're just like, yeah, I got my pick of projects, whatever I want to work on. And uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, work their their in you know, their entire career to get to a point where they they can do something that is personally fulfilling and they're like, yeah, this is, and they get to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, I don't want to do that. The other stuff, that's drudgery. That's, you know, I don't have to worry about that. This is the one. I want this. And, well, I will say, there's one other film I don't really care for and it's his version of War of the Worlds, uh, uh, which has Tom Cruise as yeah. as Tom Cruise, but it's just because <laughs> I'm, I'm such a fan of the original uh-huh. and I just, that was a needless remake in, 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 in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But every, you know, when he makes films, they're good films. Yeah. It's not like, I don't think I've ever watched a, a Spielberg film and been like, ah, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't good. You know, I don't mm-hmm. like that. You know, it's, even if, even if I didn't find it like appealing to me personally, at still, I'd be like, wow, that's a really well-made film. Yeah. And to have so many films that he's done and for me to feel that way about all of them, I think is a, a testament to you know, how good a craftsman he mm-hmm. is and how, how good he is at pulling those things out. And it's, it's like um, you're talking about the, you know, the, the scene in Fableman's where they're in the closet and he's, you know, now it's, it's the second closet scene and he's showing his mom, I see, you know, you mm-hmm. and uncle Benny over there, but that's, you know, something we see in, in that movie is Spielberg uses film to reveal truth. Yeah. And it's, you know, he reveals the truth about his his mom he reveals the truth even in like the early film that he was making uh with like the scout troop buddies and he's got the guy angelo i think is was his name and he's supposed to be like at the end of the movie he's like my my platoon is dead because Mm -hmm. of me and by the time spielberg you know sammy by the time sammy gets through working this kid over the kid's like, you know, he's got a thousand yard stare. You yeah. know, he's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like the truth of the horror of war, a young stand in for Steven Spielberg just hit a teenager with that. And he wasn't ready to accept it. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, now I got to deal with this. Um, and in the ditch day, yeah. you know, he captures, it's like, no, this, this guy, he really yeah. is the golden boy. He's I the golden that. boy. Yeah. Look, he's, you know, and, it, and he acknowledges that. And he really still likes her. He's really still into the chick that he kind of was like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, messing around on or whatever. And I, I feel like Spiel, that that's what Spielberg is. You know, one of the things that he's talking about in the movie, it's like movies for him are about revealing truth or truths. Yeah. It's like, here's something there that you don't see it until you see it. And then when you, when you, when you see it on the screen, it's like, Oh yeah. Oh, that's exactly how it is. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that way about you know, a lot of his movies where it's like, yeah, that, that moment of like epiphany where you're just like, oh, yep, he got it. Yep, I, that's exactly how that feels. Yeah, I just I, I really liked it. I just, yeah, I I particularly love the Ditch Day stuff, especially as he's watching the film, or you know, essentially screening the film for everybody. Especially the context around like how he's feeling when he's screening that film. Like he's absolutely <laughs> devastated. It's like the worst night of his life, and yet people are loving something that he's made. And uh, not everybody loves it, but uh, a lot, most people are enjoying it and he can't enjoy it. And I, I feel like that's actually, <laughs> that's probably an experience he has regularly with, with the stuff that he makes, because while he's probably not getting dumped every single time he makes a movie, but he probably doesn't 
love his work as much as we might love it. You know, he sees the flaws just like any artist does. But I felt like that was a really good, I don't know, portrayal of that a little bit. Um, and and the confrontation he has with the golden boy, I can't remember his name, but when in the hallway afterwards, and then he comes in and tells him that, you know, like you made me somebody that I can never be. You, you've made like, I'm a God basically. And I'm never going to be that person. I mean, he's like, you've cursed me. Like people are going to think that this is who I am and I can't live up to that. I'm just like, holy cow. That's like, crazy. That's a like, really good line for a 32 year old, but a 16 year old is just going to run in there going. <laughs> I don't know. But that's the thing though, is I think like, you're right. Most 16 year olds would most 16, you know, most, most younger people are going to walk in like his sister does and, get upset and be like, how did this happen all of a sudden when, when she finds out that her parents are getting divorced, you know, mm -hmm. and we know that it, it's been happening for years and you just weren't aware of it, you know, and now you've had the truth revealed to you and it was quite a shock. Uh, whereas, but there are some people that are going to have those moments like this jock who this may be the only moment in his life where he has it, <laughs> but it's a, a real, it's a come clarity. to Jesus moment of like, where suddenly he's actually able to see, like you said, Barry, like you don't see it until you see it. And he knows the weight that it's going to have on him. And maybe other people will never know why they don't like this guy. But it's probably just because he's not going to ever live up to that standard that, that he's that set for. The slow-mo race that did it. The slow-mo race. It just looks so good out there. Uh, I also One thing I loved about that slow-mo race was just the filmmaker, me, going, there's no way he got that with one camera <laughs> and adjust him. He would, you know, it was like, he it got this shot and then he got laps. the races, you know, he got the side <laughs> shot and the front shot. I'm just like, it was okay. several laps of him always of him. just in the lead <laughs> and just about to lose it. <laughs> but anyway, I loved it though. I really liked that segment a lot. Also that girl that he was dating was crazy. <laughs> yes. I hope that every bit of that was real just because it's so wild. Like well, and she's watching it now, going like, yeah. "I thought this wasn't autobiographical." Well, oh, and then that even when the the you jock, gonna make a movie about the it. jock is like, uh, you know, you're never gonna tell anybody about this. He's like, "I swear, I promise." And he's like, "Unless I make a movie about it someday." And it wink. felt like a wink, wink, to <laughs> nod, nod to the <laughs> <clears throat> to the audience. I'm like, well, I'll allow it. Like right now. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely a lot of great moments like that. Something I also found interesting too is, so this is, and this is maybe more of a personal experience. There's a movie that I can't remember the name of, and I feel bad for not remembering, but it also stars Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen. Came out several years ago. I actually watched it when I first moved to Mississippi, and it's the reverse. So they're married, and she is cheating on him with somebody else. Uh, multiple people actually and he's like this down-to-earth great guy you know maybe not the most attractive but he's funny and he loves her and like all this stuff like endearing you know the audience as the audience member you're like oh poor guy you know she's going for all these like really hot sexy guys and whatever uh and the movie sort of like show allows her to like leave this marriage and experience all the the greener grass on the other side and she's left empty and hollow at the end of it and that's kind of how the movie ends is it's just like sad because it's like he essentially is able to like mourn and then eventually move on but she never is she's always looking back at like with regret that's the good thing she had that she left behind whereas in this film She's not necessarily, you know, gallivanting with with Benny in these, like, you know, sexual escapades. But uh, I mean, or maybe they are. We don't she's know. Ga <laughs> she's gallivanting 
Maybe not sexually. Yeah, right. Okay. So, you know, it sort of has a different perspective on that, at least in Spielberg's case. He he looks upon her with as a human being and not as a monster, you know, not as somebody as you broke dad's heart. You did the, you terrible person. You, you know what I mean? He almost, I don't know if he ever goes as far. I feel like he comes really close to condoning her actions saying you had to follow your heart and even his mother is like constantly talking about how like i would have been a monster around you guys if i hadn't i just knew that i had to do this and it's like all those things are maybe true but at the same time it's it's hard to it's a hard pill to swallow to because it's easy to just judge her so i thought that perspective that he took on that was very interesting i feel like he did judge her he was just got to work through all the emotions before anyone else did because yeah. he saw it in, in secret and then kept it yeah and then like 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 right at first she was like what what is that like throwing bacon at him or whatever it was <laughs> like he was he was mad but he wasn't telling why and like even every everyone at the breakfast scene was like questioning and then she hit him she hit him with the mighty slap of God. Somehow uh, left a perfect hand imprint on his back. But I was like, good grief. And then he puts on his shirt and he's fine. Yeah, but he had been like working through it. He knew what he thought. And then having her watch it when she came out is like when he turned yeah. on a dime. And he was like, oh, crap, you're still my mom. And I, And I guess that's the... The moment he's talking about when he's 16 and realized she was human. But up yeah. until that point, he he was mad. And he wasn't even talking to her. And he wasn't telling her why. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you're right. He definitely had to work through that stuff. I think you're right, though, that the that moment is where he, he sees her as a human being and not necessarily as his mother. And, like, even threw her in the closet. Threw felt her like in the he, closet. Well, well kind of, yeah. But, but I don't mean, like, physically. But, like, like, he threw her in there to be like, look at what you've done, kind of. And then by the time she gets out, he does feel bad but like it was in retaliation to being hit so he's he's literally like mm. throwing her in there as punishment for for doing this thing for keeping it secret for then having the audacity to call him out on it and then hit him this is going to be his ultimate punishment and then by the time she gets out it's all washed away or or maybe he just he couldn't talk to her about it yeah and that's his way of talking to her and she's like she's asking him why are you mad at me? Why yeah. do you keep treating me this way? And he can't tell her. Yeah, but it's even like how it came about verbalize. seems like it was uh, like a like a retaliation, like a punishment kind of. Like she like he wanted her to be hurt, and then by the time she's done watching it, he no longer feels that way. Yeah, I mean, I think to an extent, yeah, I do. I do think that you're right, though, Barry, of him not being able to. His language mm-hmm. is is film. Is film so he's, yeah. That's you how even see that later. Even when, I mean, he's, <laughs> he tells uh, his girlfriend, you know, he's like, I love you. And then, like, later he tells his mom that he basically asked her to marry him. And I'm like, oh, that's not what I got. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, he's a real bad communicator. Like, he doesn't. <laughs> well, I mean, even, even I just thought you were being you just a little the, too aggressive. That's all. But I mean, when so. the parents are arguing in the new house, it yes. cuts to the mirror and you see him. Well, yeah, when they're getting filming they're telling it the kids rather than being divorced, involved so. in it. Yeah. Yeah. That scene was interesting too because it's sort of his distant perspective on things and how mm-hmm. it's sort of like a coping mechanism a little bit. Uh, but it's, I mean, he's able to see stuff that other people can't. I mean, it's the same reason why when he makes his cowboy movie, you know, everybody's there. They're there for the 
the fun and hey, these are our friends in this movie. This is mm-hmm. great, right? And he's like, it doesn't feel. Real. It doesn't feel real. I need it to feel real. And obviously, people appreciate you know the gun flashes and things and all that stuff. But not. I don't think any of them would have cared to put it in. They probably would have still liked it. Maybe not loved it, but they would have still liked it even without it. But he just knew that that was something that it needed. So. Do you have a, I mean, I know there's a million and asking people what their favorite movie is always an unfair question, but do you have any, as you're going through, I'll ask it this way, as you're preparing for this class, are there any films in particular that you're more excited to discuss with your students? Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Okay. That is, that's my, probably my favorite Spielberg movie. I, I just, I'm a communication professor and that movie is about communication. That's mm-hmm. like the whole point of the entire movie is how do you communicate with an alien species? And I don't think there's another film that's really dealt with that except to that degree, except maybe Arrival, mm. uh, which was just oh, yeah. great. I loved it. Um, it was really good. But I realized also there's a little kid named Barry uh, <laughs> in there. And so, you know, that's pretty great. And he's probably like two or three years older than me in real life. But that's that. That's really the one because uh, it captures so much of what, to me, makes Spielberg great. Is you've got the wonder, you have the the broken family dynamics, but people still trying to, to achieve some kind of connection, and you've got you know people kind of reaching for something beyond themselves, people forming bonds with each other that they weren't born with, you know, reach you know a found family kind of thing. You know, and then it's just like, you know, for the day, the effects were, you know, were, were great. And, mm-hmm. it's, and it's been remastered and, and so on and so forth. I'm really excited about that one. I'm I'm not going to lie. I just, there's some that, like Schindler's List, <laughs> I'm not excited about Schindler's List. I'm, but I, <laughs> but it's, it is a great movie. And, mm-hmm. but it's like, every time I watch it, I'm like, got to watch this movie now and uh, we're going to talk about it and it's you know it's a great movie but wow this is this is tough this mm-hmm. is hard but every time i watch uh, close encounters i'm just like i just i love it more i'm just like oh, this, I, this is just so life affirming you know mm. it's just to me it's just that is the quintessential spielberg i'm also excited about jurassic park that, that's a that's a big favorite of mine just from a production standpoint, the the other you know, practical effects and how well they hold up. Mm-hmm. And I have a have a fifteen year old, and uh, we have a Friday movie night. We watch movies and we we pick a lot of classic movies and mix in some some newer stuff. But you know, I'm, I'm spoiling him because you know he's seen <laughs> he's seen Jurassic Park and he's like, and I'm like, you know, son, this was made like this many years ago, and he's like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is, this looks great, and then. <laughs> <laughs> and then we watched. Let's uh, go with something ten years later, like the Scorpion King. Yeah, we watched. <laughs> yeah, we watched the uh, Jurassic World movies, uh-huh. and uh, the I think the third one was available on streaming. And I was like, "Oh, the third one!" And I was like, "Did we watch the second one?" <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I couldn't even remember. And none of us. It doesn't none, matter. None of the three of us could remember. And I went back and I read through the plot, and I was like. We did watch that. I, you know, and I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll, you know, but it's just all, you know, I mean, and I, I, I like Chris Pratt, you know, I, I generally, you know, I have a favorable view of him. He's just kind of that every man kind of goofy character. Yeah, he's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. And, uh, but it's just like, 
you know, nothing about the production or the story or anything really jumps out. It's like, no, we did Jurassic Park. We did it really well that one time. Mm-hmm. And really, we never needed anything else from that. Yeah. I, I, a lot of movies are like that. I mean, and you could you could probably just name, you know, any number of fan franchises where it's like the first one is just mind-blowing. And then everything that yeah. comes after, you're like, yeah. I, I like The Matrix, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. The first one is mind-blowing. And then it's like diminishing returns for each one after that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for uh, Indiana Jones. You know, that'll go out strong. I've seen the trailers. I'm excited. <laughs> I love Indiana Jones. I know Crystal Skull was not. It wasn't great. It was not the best in the franchise. But Indiana Jones has always just been kind of fun. You yeah. know, it's just kind of swashbuckling fun. Mm-hmm. Even even with the weaknesses that Crystal Skull had, it was still had that kind of swashbuckling fun. Not taking itself too seriously. Yeah. Which I, I think that could happen sometimes for franchises they're around for so long, they take on almost like a, a mythical status. Yeah. And it's like Star Wars comes to mind where it's like, we can't just have fun anymore. It's got to yeah. be, you know, build the lore and tell us about, <laughs> you know, whatever. No, tear um, it down. Reject everything that came before. Just kidding. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Just kidding. You know, Thanks episode. since Indiana Jones is coming out, you know, in like the summer, I think, I, I'm excited to, you know, to include that one in the class is like, Oh, Hey, and here's what Spielberg's doing now. Yeah. And I, I've, I'm actually, I, I wondered whether I should like start with Fableman's It's like, here's Steven Spielberg. Oh. Here's, here's how, you know, this is, this is this man that you're going to meet this semester. But I feel like a lot of people have seen a lot of his movies. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, one of those things where maybe it does cause a little bit of backlash. People are like, oh, you know, Steven Spielberg, he's like the Starbucks of movies. You know, it's, like, eh, it's everywhere. But it's like, but, you know. I feel that way about Starbucks, and I worked at Starbucks for four years. So. But, you know, and I, I'm a, I'm a kind of a, a coffee snob, but, but Starbucks is actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. they over-roast their beans, sure. But, you know. Every you just, single one of but them. You just I don't a, get it. But you get a medium roast and just say, hey, I'm enjoying my dark roast coffee. Um, but, Did you uh, want a light roast? Nope. nope. Try again. You know, I just – also, though, he's at a point in his career where he's done so much and moved the industry so much. It's You can't redo that. You can't go back yeah. and, and may have that big moment. And, you know, some directors have done that, and – Usually it's one aspect of filmmaking. I, I think of like Lucas or James Cameron where they, the technical aspects, they just moved it so far forward. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, where do you go from there? And, you know, with Lucas, he really didn't go anywhere else from there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like, well, I can, you just I, lived there. I can make it even better and I can make it even better and I can make it. And it's like in Photoshop where you try to, you know, get rid of, every little thing and what you wind up with is, you know, you, it looks like you know, cartoon characters yeah. uh, because you smoothed out all the, all the imperfections. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Cameron, at least he waited, you know, a long time between avatars to say, no, I'm going to have a real technical contribution, but it's, it's hard to, to, to reinvent again, you know, the things that you did. I mean, I, I, I would, credit Spielberg with kind of inventing the, the blockbuster with Jaws. I yeah. mean, it was, it, it hit that way, whether it was just culturally timed for it or not, but you can't really recreate that. 
you know, you can have more of them, but you can't recreate it again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever he does now, it's going to be good, but I don't know if it can be earth shattering, yeah. but I would like for it to be, I, I would, I would like to go into, you know, I mean, if Spielberg makes a movie, I'm going to watch it. That is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And I would like, I would love to go into Indiana Jones and just be like, Oh my God, my what mind happened? is blown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the real Indiana Jones here, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's got all those other little movies like the terminal. And catch me if you can. I forgot he did the terminal. Yeah, it's that's just a these, great movie. Just these like yeah. great little like these little bitty slice of life weird kind of movies yeah. where you're like, oh yeah, that's yeah, he did that. I always associate it with with Tom Hanks, but I forget that yeah. that it was Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. crazy stuff. I like catch me if you can. Yeah, John Williams did the did the score for that, mm-hmm. and it's like that is you know that's not what you think of with like Spielberg and John Williams. It's yeah. like you know, I mean, it's and it's an interesting story. You know, mm-hmm. and it's again based on, you know, loosely based on a an actual historical character. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I make, I'm very excited about the class. Though I haven't been this excited since since my Cohen Brothers class. I was super excited. Uh, about I've heard about your Cohen Brothers class. I've it was a lot of fun. Several people, yeah. Lot of fun. Uh, that's actually a library of films that I need to catch up on. I, I've I've watched almost everything. I say almost everything because I'm anytime that they've directed, I've I've watched since Oh Brother Where Art Thou, but a lot of their earlier stuff I haven't seen. I need to go back and watch. It's so, good. It's seen good. Raising Arizona and stuff, but but there's a lot of other things that I I have not, not watched. Make but. sure you watch Ethan Cohen's Garfield. That's a good one. Is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the Bill Murray only signed on because he saw Cohen and he thought Cohen Brothers and he was like, yes. Oh, that's and then they're like, you're stuck to Garfield now. <laughs> yeah, even bad. even with the Cohens, uh, like Blood Simple, you mm-hmm. go all the way back. Wow, that's that's actually a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's not it doesn't have the same kind of polish that you know some of their later stuff does, but it's it's good. You know, I mean, they I don't know. I mean, every I think everything they they did is, uh, is and even uh, yeah, was it Joel that did uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Yeah, you know, even you know Solo there, it was it was really good. Uh, <laughs> you really felt the missing brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, I don't know, Joel goes by himself. I don't know, how does this work? He's got half a brain. What does what does this happen? Yeah, he has but, half a brain. But, uh, the, uh, but the other he, brother was unnecessary. Oh no. Yeah, I mean, it, it it turns out he's he's actually pretty decent on his own. Uh, that there's a there was a video going around YouTube with what's his name? He played Thanos. What's the actor's name? Uh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Brolin. There you go. Uh, he was in the Coen Brothers film. With, uh, <laughs> I can't. Why am I forgetting no, all this stuff? No, no country, no country, old no man. <laughs> Excellent movie. Anyways, he's in that movie. He's doing a little bit. He's talking about. It's on YouTube. Go watch it. But it's he's talking about when he's on set and he finds the the cash or or whatever. He finds all the stuff. He says if when he opens it up, he it's apparently not supposed to say or react to it. He's just supposed to just like then close it and kind of move on. But he's like, what if I? He like suggesting to them like, what if I like. Like some sort of reaction, and then they're kind of like just deadpan, just like, "Well, what are you, what are you thinking?" And he's like, "Oh," and he's like nervous because he's like, I, "I don't know, like maybe a," and he starts giving some variations, and they're like, "Okay, what else you got?" And he's like, oh, "Okay, hmm. you know, doing all these on their own, they sound kind of silly, but like you know, when you when you point them out, 
And then eventually they go, okay, uh, try that first one again. And then he goes back to it and they're like, all right. And then they do it. He does the thing and the thing. And then they didn't, he said, they don't say a word. And then during the premiere, they're watching the movie and that scene comes up and you see him go, huh, or whatever sound he makes. And he says, he hears one of them just burst out laughing uh, in the theater. And he like knows he's like, so were they just messing with me this whole time? <laughs> like they were like, our movie's perfect. We can allow one little thing just for fun. To, like, <laughs> they're like, they're like, and they're like, watch this, watch, watch. That's great. <laughs> so we left that in for you. Talking about people who are so good at their craft that they don't have to try. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Dude. <laughs> Burn After Reading is my favorite, by the way. I don't know oh, if you like Burn really? After Reading. I love Burn After Reading because it's bonkers and silly and <laughs> ultimately ends without having ever left. <laughs> it just, it goes nowhere and I absolutely love it. it is. It's not a better movie than their other ones, but it's one I, I enjoy. So. <laughs> so like, what if we had the same comedy of errors, but it was just dumb the whole time? Yep. Good idea. I will say the... And I, I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but there is a scene where somebody is in a closet oh, yes. and, and surprises <laughs> that scene. I love to just watch people watching the movie uh-huh. when that happens uh-huh. and be like, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. The, like everything about that, the reaction, the, the f- look on his face when he, oh my gosh, yeah. it's so, it's so yeah. great. I just love J.K. Simmons' line too. Towards the end, I mean, you keep trying. You're trying to be safe with spoilers, and we we kind of just have a rule of like, we just, yeah, we <laughs> watch out. It's a minefield. You never know. No, we never know what's going to happen. But uh, if we say we apologize, movie, you got three seconds. You got about uh, three seconds. You got pull hit off that. the highway. Yep. Hit the so yes, all this banter right now is is before I spoil this bit. <laughs> so uh, no, just with J.K. Simmons at the end of just like, my God, like. What did we learn? And the guy's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I don't know. I love that that's. <laughs> well, I, I want to. What were you going to say? I something? was just going to say, since you mentioned J.K. Simmons, one of, one of their movies, it's a remake, The Lady Killers. Okay. Which I just, I absolutely just, it's hilarious to me. I just, I love it. And the last several times I've looked for it, it's never been released on Blu-ray. Really? like DVD. But uh, J.K. Simmons is is in it, and it's, you know, it's it's like a standard Coen Brothers movie. You just got, like, everybody wants to be in it, and it's it's just all wonderful. But his character in in that movie is absolutely hilarious. And it's, it's set in Mississippi. Is it? Okay. Yeah, and it's like a casino, you know, kind of heist kind of of thing and um just absolutely hilarious and just just as funny as can be i need to watch it then i have not seen that one i do remember uh when it came out but i yeah i never seen it i like me some jk simmons he's a good guy (laughs) i this has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about but it's on my mind (laughs) you said you love sci-fi both you know literature and film have you read the three body problem i have you have. You're the first person I've met that has read it. Okay. Uh, have you read the sequels? I haven't read the sequels. I've got them on my shelf. Okay. Waiting for an opportune time. Okay. Well, how did you feel about the first book? I liked it. 
Yeah. I, I really liked it. And um, because it's Chinese, it ha- it does have a different perspective. Yes. Yeah. And that's a lot of sci-fi is, is Western and, you, you know, it's, it's, it can be very formulaic. Mm-hmm. And to see, um, to see something that really comes from a completely different cultural perspective and then builds on that and then has an interesting story as well. Just the, the plot's interesting. Mm-hmm. I've seen that before with like Russian sci-fi and Polish sci-fi and things like that. But I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just, and it's a good translation also. I just, yeah, it's just, I, I'm looking forward to reading the next two. I just, they're substantial. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, I, I just haven't had a chance to jump into them yet. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm a fan. I, uh, I'm almost done with the second book. And I was reading or listening to the audiobook on the way over here. Okay. And I love <laughs> it. I love it so much. I really enjoyed the first book, but I think you're right. There is a lot of like, different perspective and it took me a minute to kind of get used to that certain things that I kind of would immediately you know take shortcuts be like okay we're going here we're doing this now and then that wouldn't happen or characters would respond in ways that just were not familiar to me it took me a second to kind of get to figure that out and then to get okay with that I guess um but by the end of the book I was just like oh yeah I love this this is great uh and the second book is I just think it's even better I don't know it's great so (laughs) I won't talk about that. Though. I might be more. We'll I might be more interested if you spoil it and tell me what it's about, because what I'm thinking it's about after having finished the first one, I'm like, yeah, you. Uh, do I want to read that. You don't know. <laughs> the, he, the author takes it in some some crazy directions, and that I think are like you don't expect them, but then when when you're there, you're just like, well, this is amazing. This is great. So I love. Well, it. Well, I mean, even the first one. Like you said that when you were first describing it to me, uh-huh. I was like, I'm a quarter through and I don't know what this book's about. And then like, <laughs> I'm halfway through and I think I know what it's about. And then like, I'm like two thirds of the way through and I think I know what the book's about now. <laughs> it's like, well, that's just because it, it but yeah, feels, you, you never really, once you've read the whole thing, you kind of understand, but as the book is going on, it feels like the book like the author is it like, just keeps, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about that now. Yeah. And so it, it almost feels like the book itself doesn't know what it wants to focus on. Whereas the second book's like, no, no, we're going to talk about this. But I will say they did read. It doesn't they, also. They, pulled, they put it in a different <laughs> order for Western audiences. Did they really? Yes. Interesting. Uh, his Chinese editor or his international editor was like, I don't think this is going to flow. So they, I don't know what they changed. I would imagine maybe it was like it was like in chronological order or something, mm. and then they. I'd be curious because everything feels very intentional. I'm ninety nine percent sure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I just I I I heard a review talking about that about that book <laughs> about a different book. Well, it's great. I can't wait to talk to you about the second one. I look forward so to it. There you go. <laughs> that be on the uh this is about books yeah maybe no i mean i think that still belongs on this is about movies <laughs> the, we, the episode we do if that's about a book i mean it's like wait hold on a second i thought this was about movies <laughs> look i'd love to do a lot more of these <laughs> but doing it for free like if you want to pay me a job wage to do them you'll get a lot more <laughs> trust me uh i, I can rate so many things. I can talk about so many things. 
I, I usually play video games like the weekend they're out. And like my older brother will call me and be like, what'd you think about the thing that just came out? I'm like, this, this, and this. They missed this. But yeah, I just, I like being video games, movies. I like, even if I'm not with other people, like I imagine I can feel the energy from it being released you know, that weekend. Yeah. And like, like dead space when it came back out or, or even Callisto protocol, I downloaded it that night. And then like at seven, I'm turning it on. I'm like me and a million other people are turning this <laughs> on right now. Yeah. I just enjoy being there, being one of the first and then experiencing that. The only thing that I feel that way about is star Wars. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen every star Wars film at release. Okay. And like when they used to have like midnight, you know, yeah. opens and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I was there with the Wookiees and the mm-hmm. Han Solos yep. and the, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was and I I love it is it is magical. Those are so much fun. Yeah. They really are. I I, I I miss midnight opens. Yeah. I miss I <laughs> it, it went from the midnight to like midnight at 7, <laughs> you know, and then we're like, "Oh, yeah." I I remember that was actually and then not to again, I talk about Star Wars too much on this podcast, but I remember, so when I saw Rise of Skywalker, I remember running up to the theater because I was coming from something uh, and I was running late and I was like, oh man, I'm going to be whatever. And we get in there and there's nobody in there except us and like a couple of people. And I was like, this is such a far cry from the same night I did when I saw, um, you know, I I mean, I'm the prequels were the big thing for me because obviously the classics were already out at that time, Yeah, but it still had the same everybody wanted to be there it was like you know lying around the block from the theater and there was stormtroopers out there and like i I grew up in a small (laughs) town but everybody showed up with lightsabers and all kinds of stuff and it was a great time even when the movies weren't the best it was still the like a really fun experience so i I miss that a lot i had everything episode one like i had the visual dictionary i read that thing (laughs) oh my god i had the jurassic i had a jurassic park uh, dinosaur dictionary too. I loved that thing. Uh, my first PC game that I realized my PC wasn't good enough to run uh, was the Pod Racer. Oh, <laughs> I begged my mom and Sam's to get it. After an hour, uh, we we get all the way outside, and I'm like, Mom, what <laughs> system requirements? what i can't play it <laughs> she's like go ahead and return it and then even, the, even the guy at the counter was like why are you returning this like, i can't play it. what do you mean system requirements well barry mr doctor it's been a pleasure having you on it's been fun do you have any final thoughts on on not final thoughts, but uh, for tonight, anyways, on Sean <laughs> Spielberg? He really he really wants you to focus on your end. I just hope I'm remembered as fondly as Steven Spielberg when I'm gone. No, actually, you, since uh, uh, Jeremiah mentioned video games, I. I had the infamous E.T. game for Did Atari really? 2600. Oh, okay. Did you and, play it? Uh, oh, yeah, I played it. How I, long? I, I, till, I, till I won. Yeah. I, mean, I was a little kid. I was, like, gathering up Reese's Pieces and you know, getting, getting parts to the transmitter to phone home. It was. I thought, it was, you know, back then it was great. We didn't know any better, you know. Yeah. It was like, oh, my God, this is mind-blowing. <laughs> and now it's like, wow. 
bankrupted the company. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, more than that, it like caused the whole downfall of video games. uh, Almost like, you know, Final Fantasy. They called it Final Fantasy because it was around that same time. Companies were just shutting down. So Final Fantasy was like this company. uh, They're going to put out one more video game. It's the final one, maybe. Yeah. Hopefully you buy it. Yeah, I mean, it caused the whole industry to just go, boom. It was so bad they were calling it, they, we now refer to it as shovelware. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> because that's what it's fit for. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen the Microsoft documentary where they went and found where they, the where, games where in they the desert? Up, they, yeah, they dug them up yeah. out in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. It's Microsoft crazy. went crazy. back 20-something years later and found where they buried the E.T. games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, well it was be, terrible, but it was a good documentary. The board meeting, or maybe not board meeting, the stairwell meeting where they decided they were going to bury them. Probably. <laughs> They're about to One do that to with um, but the little collectible bobblehead things, <clears throat> vinyl ones. Funko Pops? Yeah. They're about to do that with 30 million dollars worth of Funko Pops. Just what, to drive the value up or what? They say there's no interest in them. They're going to throw them away. Oh. Give, give them. Reagan did it with cheese. <laughs> you can do it with Funko Pops. Just give them away. What are you talking <laughs> Look, like, give a, give a sheet and be like, are you vaguely interested in any of these people? <laughs> I've heard of Captain America. Here's a Captain America Funko Pop. Have a good day. <laughs> Why would you not? And then it's like a tax write-off, too. They're just going to throw away. God. Maybe they'll hear this and they'll change their minds. I mean, they've already thought about it and they thought better of it. And they're like, no, if we throw them away, the value of the ones that are out there is in skyrocket. <laughs> Bury it with bad girl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> If Reagan can give away cheese, you can give away Funko Pops. All right. Well, uh, this has been great. We'll have to have you back on, uh, maybe for Indiana Jones 5. Oh, yeah. Sure. I this, think that would be summer. a fun one. So we'll have to figure that out. But best of luck with your, your class. I'm excited to, to hear stories about how that goes and stuff. So hope it'll be great. Um, is it a summer class or is it a fall class? It's a fall class. Okay, so you and got we're, uh, we're supposed it, to be so. getting a new projector in the room that I'm teaching it in, Ooh, so I'm fancy. pretty pretty excited about that too. Yeah, get some 4K projection going. Nice. Very good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're in the I work for the uh, county schools. We're in the midst of replacing all the projectors. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> real fun. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> you know, I, I I get it. I've got uh I've got I've I have hand replaced myself projectors that were over 20 years old and i just scrounged up enough money in mm-hmm. my departmental budget to like buy a 400 dollar projector and replace <laughs> it's like this is so much better than what was up there and it's you know some janky you know brand off brand that i got from amazon and it's like but it's so much better than what was there because mm-hmm. if it still works you just you get stuck with it forever you yeah know? and so now it's like we actually have an opportunity to replace some stuff and i'm like projector in this Please. room this is the film room this is where we teach the film studies classes we must have the projector here uh, it breaks my heart to like go into a room with like a five-year-old bulb and the teacher's like do we have another bulb i can't see this i'm like turn off the lights and squint and it's bright enough to where you can sort of see it 
At least I'm they sorry. St- <laughs> if it's only five years old, at least they still manufacture those bulbs. <laughs> you know, I've been in that oh, situation. Oh, the projectors are like <laughs> 15, 20, so. Yeah. It's like, well, I can find this bulb on eBay for $15,000. What is up with that? There's one guy like Wado is like holding it back. He's like, this is very precious. There's only one available. The rest of them are buried out in the desert with Funko Pops. and like, Yeah, because they made too many and they figured they were just, yeah. Yeah, they went to daddy and I keep up the precious thing. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. It's been great. Go watch a Spielberg movie or a Coen Brothers movie, too. Go watch the Lady Killers. Tell us what you think. Thanks again, Barry. It's been great. Thanks for having me.